What's up everyone, this is NFL Only here on Spark Talk, and today I'll be recapping the 16th week of the NFL season. The first game I'll get into is the Christmas Day game, New Orleans at Minnesota. And what a game by Alvin Kamara. 22 carries, 155 yards, and 6 touchdowns. Uh, he could have broken the record, but for some reason Sean Payton decided to run Taysom Hill uh, early in the fourth quarter. And... I don't know why he did that. He could have Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara could have had a legendary game. Uh, he did anyway, but he could have, have broken the record on Christmas Day. That would have been a crazy, uh, a crazy thing to happen. But instead, Sean Payton decided to run with Taysom Hill at the one yard line, and it ruined a really cool moment uh, on Christmas Day. But besides that, uh, Alvin Kamara throughout the season has shown a lot of improvement uh, and fitting into the featured back row. Uh, I think he struggled a little bit last year uh, trying to find his place as the featured back because when Mark Ingram was there, he was the change of pace back. He was the receiving back. He was the uh, flashy, uh, trying to make guys miss, uh, and kind of the speed back out of the backfield for him. And Mark Ingram was that power power guy. The uh, he was going to carry the load for the team, but this year Alvin Kamara has really fit into the uh, he's going to carry the rock type of guy. He can lead a team uh, to wins, uh, being the main focal point of the offense. And he's he's been very impressive throughout this year. And I think this game really uh, encapsulates how well he's done this year and the type of player I think he's starting to become in this league I think he's one of the best uh dual threat running backs in NFL history he's he's one of the best at receiving backs in NFL history that's for sure and and he's starting to add that dimension of running in between the tackles and being a tough physical running back as well and he's just starting to put stuff together and it's it's really it's really becoming something special and he's really becoming a special player uh and it's really starting to show in this offense because when new orleans becomes the first a run first type of team uh i think that's when they're at their best this year uh just taking some pressure off of drew Brees. we've seen in the past drew Brees really fold under pressure and him coming off an injury as well it takes that pressure off of him and allow him and allows him to get back into a rhythm and not having michael thomas there uh, it gets it makes it that much harder for Drew Brees to get back into the rhythm, especially without his uh, number one target. But this team, uh, in general, is I think built for a run first team, and I really like what they did in this game. They did a lot of bootlegs, uh, try to get Drew Brees out of the pocket, and not have him as a statue in the pocket, and. Just get the ball out, get the ball out quickly, and get the ball out to like these tight ends, these receivers coming across the middle, and not allow him to get hit, allow him to get into a rhythm pretty quickly. And we've seen that throughout the game where once he started to get into that rhythm, we started seeing some of that deep shots, those play-action deep shots with Drew Brees, and he was connecting on them uh, a good amount in this game. And he had a, a lot better game than what he had in the, uh, uh, in the uh, Kansas City game last week. But uh, New Orleans, just they're a really good team. The one thing that does concern me is their defense the last couple of weeks, which I think their defense played really good against Kansas City. 
But this week against Minnesota, uh, it was not. It was just not a good game. It was kind of a crap show for them. They allowed uh, da- uh, Dalvin Cook to just run all over them in this game. And Justin Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen had a great game against them. Both of them had uh, was it uh, 14 catches between them and around 100 and I want to say um, I'm trying to do like math in my head. So was that that's 182 yards in between them in a touchdown, so uh, really Minnesota's offense was able to really start clicking in this game. Dalvin Cook had uh, five yards of carry and 73 yards, and I wish they would have ran the ball with him a little bit more throughout the game, and I think that's one thing that hurt, uh, well, going to Minnesota, I think that's one thing that hurt them in this game was they were just a little bit too unbalanced. They had 41 passes to 17 runs. And Minnesota, we see in the past when they when they get unbalanced, especially in the pass game where they're passing way more than they are running the football, it really it leads to losses and it leads to uh, usually them getting blown out in games. And I think we kind of see that in this game as well, where they're uh, they're often I think they just got a little bit too unbalanced. They gave. Uh, New Orleans, the ball very quickly. They scored very quickly, and their defense kind of got worn out throughout the game. Uh, but I think one thing that Minnesota, going into this offseason, needs to, I think, let their secondary develop. They, they've had some, uh, uh, for the linebackers, they've had some injury issues with uh, Hendricks and everything, So and Anthony Barr as well. So getting them back healthy uh in the offseason I think is going to be a big boost to this defense and then allowing that young secondary to develop they have Jeff Gladney they have Cameron Dantzler both rookies uh Harrison Smith I think is one of the best safeties in the league Anthony Harris is a rising young player as well and I think the one thing Minnesota probably needs to focus on is their is their offensive line and defensive line maybe get a left tackle or right tackle and trying to kind of just boost the offensive line in the passing game because we've seen Minnesota uh, this year in the passing game when they get down in games they just don't have the ability to protect Kirk Cousins enough uh, in when they get down in games. So I think that's a little that's the thing they need to work on. And then obviously their defensive line needs to get better. And that was really their anchor through these uh, postseason runs with uh, Case Keenum and then the last year with Kirk Cousins. Their defense line was the anchor. You had Daniil Hunter, Everson Griffin, uh, Linval Joseph. All three of those players are gone now. So I think they really need to uh, really build up that defensive line again. And I think that's probably what they need to go after uh, this offseason, whether it be a free agency or uh, or uh, the draft, and maybe pick up somebody in the first round. But Minnesota has a lot of potential. They they were able to put up 33 points on a great defense, uh, and they've been able and their offense has been red hot over the past couple of weeks. They've uh, see if I can get this loaded up here real quick. So yeah, they've uh, they put up uh, 33 on uh, they put 27 up on the on the Bears defense. They put up 14 on Tampa Bay, but they also had four missed field goals in that game, so they were able to really drive on Tampa throughout that game. And you just you just see like this improvement of this Minnesota offense and the offense throughout the year for Minnesota just was getting better and better each week. And I think one thing they got to focus on this offseason is getting that defensive line situated 
and getting a pass rush and getting a getting a couple of D tackles in there that can stop the run uh, as well. But all in all, I think this is a pretty. I think even though they did put up uh, allow 52 points in this game for New Orleans, I think it was a good showing by Minnesota, especially in the offensive end. And I think it shows what they need to improve uh, going into the offseason. And then for New Orleans, a great win. It keeps them in the race to get that one seed uh, as well. Because if it's a little bit weird. if uh, I know they lost to Green Bay, but if there's a three-way tie between Seattle, New Orleans, and Green Bay next week, New Orleans gets that one seed. So it should be really interesting to see what happens uh, next week. But... I kind of digressed there a little bit. We'll uh, end up. We'll go into the uh, next game, which is uh, San Francisco at Arizona, and I think this game really shows how important uh, George Kittle is for San Francisco, especially uh, his run his uh, run blocking ability. San Francisco, I think everybody knows by now, is an outside zone running team. They love to run. These outside zones, and it really sets up their offense in the in the play action offense that was so effective uh, last year when they were healthy. But tight ends are really important in that scheme because obviously you need tight ends to set that edge for their running backs, and uh, not having George Kittle there, I think really hurt them in the run game. They didn't really perform as well as they should have in the run department, and it led to a lot of losses for them. Uh, this season, it, and it led to them not making the postseason. But having George Kittle back there, he was able to open up some holes for these running backs. And Jeff Wilson, 22 carries, 183 yards, and he just kind of balled out throughout the day. And a lot of that had to do with uh, George Kittle being back there uh, this week at tight end and opened up holes for him. Also, C.J. Beathard, uh, I think he's a solid NFL quarterback. He's a free agent this offseason. And don't be surprised if he gets maybe a bridge quarterback job where he's able to teach a rookie and be that uh, bridge between a uh, between the rookie quarterback and him where he's able to show the rookie a little bit, start a couple weeks in the season. O- or if he gets a job to be a starting quarterback on a bad team, don't be surprised if uh, C.J. Beathard gets a good amount of co- a good contract this year, especially, say, next week he plays well against Seattle. Uh that could be a C.J. Beathard could get a good sized contract, especially as a backup in this league. Uh, but I like I like C.J. Beathard a lot. I think I think he was a solid quarterback. I always liked him better than uh, Nick Mullins. Uh, I think he just has a better arm. I think he has a better feel of the game than Nick Mullins. And I wish they would have started uh, C.J. Beathard a lot more this season because if you look at the two games that he was in, he uh, came in late in the game against Philadelphia early in the year. And in that fourth quarter, he just balled out and was able to get this offense moving and going. And then you see in this game, uh, whether it was more run-heavy for uh, San Francisco, he didn't make mistakes, and he was able to push the ball down the field and played very safe football uh, throughout the game and didn't have any turnovers. So C.J. Beathers, I think he's going to get a good-sized contract this year, whether it be a, to be a backup or a bridge quarterback this offseason but uh he he played just he played good just enough to uh help them get the victory but the main part of this victory for San Francisco was their defense their defense played absolutely amazing they held Kyler Murray uh yeah they held Kyler Murray 
to under 250 yards passing with 50 attempts. That's insane. Uh, just what they're able to do. And they finally get a pass rush on uh, on Kyle Murray this year uh, because their pass rush has been pretty bad this year. Uh, they got three sacks and five quarterback hits on him. So just imagine if uh, San Francisco had Nick Bolster, they had Solomon Thomas this year, uh, and their defense would be that much better. And they probably have a lot more wins on the year because – a lot of their losses and a lot of their defensive flaws came when they didn't get pass, uh, any type of pass rush. But in this game, it really helped out a lot. And also, they held uh, Kenyon Drake to 2.5 yards of carry uh, on the day. So, San Francisco's defense, I think, really showed in a primetime game that they're still legit. That once they get Nick Bosa back, once they get Solomon Thomas back, and once they just get healthy... This San Francisco defense uh, may be the best in the league. And it, and when you add uh, Jimmy Garoppolo back to the offense, the team as a whole, it, it, they're Super Bowl contenders every year. But I think for San Francisco, uh, uh, I'm matching my words there together. Uh, for San Francisco, uh, they just need to get healthy. They're a Super Bowl caliber team uh, with the Super Bowl caliber coach. Who needs to learn how to win those big games? Uh, obviously, because he kind of choked away last year's Super Bowl against Kansas City, and then he uh, choked away the uh, Atlanta Super Bowl against uh, New England. But uh, San Francisco next year is going to be a team to beat. And if their defense missing key pieces uh, plays like this against one of the best offenses in the league, it's just uh, it's going to be very hard to stop them when they are healthy. But going to Arizona. Kyle Murray, uh, I I think his mechanics just went haywire in this game. Uh, he kept throwing off his back foot a lot, and I'm starting to see that. Like I've been starting to realize, like he's been doing that a lot here uh, over their losing stretch, where uh, over this rough patch here, where he's uh, starting to throw off his back foot a lot, and he's not, and he's throwing a lot of passes. Uh, a lot of his passes are under throws, and it's leading to uh, a lot of three and outs. It's not leading to good balls, and it's leading to turnovers as well. And it's something he needs to fix because earlier in the year, he wasn't doing that uh, as much as he's doing it at, during this rub patch here. And it's it's starting to hurt the team a lot, and he just needs to fix that. It's just a mechanic issue, but he needs to fix it, and he needs to get his uh, mechanics back in order, especially... Uh, with this week being a very important week because if they lose, they're out of the playoffs. So they got to win this game. And a lot of that falls on Kyler Murray. There's a lot of pressure on Kyler Murray to perform well next week. And we've seen in the big games, uh, we've seen in uh, college he didn't really perform well in the big games. And we've seen uh, now in uh, the NFL, once stuff starts to get tough, when the, once there's a lot of pressure on him, Especially over this la- the the last half of the year this year, like he's starting to falter a little a little bit, and he's losing his mechanics, and he's throwing a lot of bad passes, making a lot of bad reads as well. So I think that's just a learning curve for him, and he needs to I just learn how to deal with the pressure and learn how to uh, overcome the pressure of being an NFL quarterback. And I think uh, once he does that, he'll be he'll be fine. 
uh, in the league, but he's just a young quarterback, and young quarterbacks tend to not deal with pressure very well. That's why a rookie quarterback has never won the Super Bowl, and that's why we've only had very few rookie quarterbacks get to an AFC championship, the last being, uh, was it, I, I want to say Mark Sanchez or... Joe Flacco, I think. I forgot which one uh, was which. I think it was Mark Sanchez was the last uh, rookie quarterback to get to an AFC championship, and that was over a decade ago. So it's very hard for these young quarterbacks to deal with the pressure. And I think once we start seeing Kyle Murray mature and get older and develop his game, I think we're going to start seeing him blossom into a top five, top three quarterback in the league. But right now, I think he just he's just too young at the moment, and the I think the pressure is getting to him. But a really good win here by San Francisco. It still shows them that they are a very dominant, a very dominant team when they are healthy. And Arizona, it's just a bad loss because next week it puts all the pressure on next week. They have to win, and it may not even help them if they uh, do. Oh, actually, if it does, because if they win, they're in. Uh, and it really just depends on if the Rams get in or not as well. But next week, Arizona, if they win, they're in. But it's a hard, but it's a hard team to face, especially when uh, Arizona hasn't beaten uh, the Rams in I want to say was it been four years or three years? Uh, yeah, I think it's been four years. They've lost to Arizona for uh, eight straight ga- or seven straight games. So uh, Arizona needs to pull out a win here in a against a team that they haven't beaten in over four years. So we'll move on to Miami uh, at Las Vegas. And that this was probably the most exciting game I think of the whole entire year. Like Fitz Magic, th- this is what uh, I think encapsulates Fitz Magic. Just the way he played in the fourth quarter, it was just absolutely insane. Like he came off the bench and just balled out. Uh, and his first play wasn't until under ten minutes left in the game, nine forty-seven left in the game was when. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick got his first snaps of the game, and he ended up throwing for uh, for 182 yards and a touchdown. And he just, I'm, there's not you can't explain Ryan Fitzpatrick at all. You really can't. Like he's one of the hardest uh, players to explain, and why he just is what he is. He's he just I don't know. I don't, he's very just. I think he's one of the most uh, intriguing, I guess, anomalies in. NFL history where he could throw for 500 yards, six touchdowns, seven touchdowns. He can break all the records, and then the very next game he could break uh, some bad records, like throw like seven interceptions, have zero touchdowns. Uh, he could. It's just a weird. He's just a weird player that you can't really put into a category. He's just. I think he's. He's just a weird. He's just a weird player. He's fun to watch, though. Like he's must-watch TV when he is in the game, and he proved that in this game as well. But I really loved what Brian Flores did, and he wasn't afraid to put in the veteran over the rookie in that tough situation, especially trying to make the postseason. Uh, and it worked out for him. It really did. But he wasn't afraid to take that chance, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was a better option at the moment to go and win the game, and he did. And I think a lot of that has to do with Tua just being young. He's only started nine games in his career, 
and he still has a lot to improve. If you look at uh, oh, what's it, Justin Herbert, he still has some rough patches in his game. If you look at Joe Burrow, uh, there, there's some rough patches there. A lot of that had to be with his offensive line. But rookie quarterbacks, uh, it's very hard to get rookie quarterbacks at an elite level very quickly. And it's very rare that you get somebody like Justin Herbert, you get somebody like Joe Burrow that just are balling out instantly when they come into the league. And you rarely don't see that. But the thing is, he's going to be compared to those players, uh, Tua is, for the rest of his career because he was drafted in the same quarter, in the same draft as them. Uh, but I think Tua is just going through the same growth as any other rookie quarterback would go through, any young quarterback would go through. Lamar Jackson had these type of uh, rough moments. Josh Allen had these rough moments. Uh, you look at Baker last year, I think he had those rough moments, and he still has some this year as well. And if you just go down the list, just look at these rookie quarterbacks. Carson Wentz, uh, Jared Goff, they had those rough moments as well. So I think... Everybody's overreacting about Tua, I think, a lot. And I think he shows a lot of promise at times during these games. I just think he's I think he's a perfectionist. Uh, because you see him, he never wants to throw the ball deep at all. And I don't know if that's a scheme thing at the moment uh, with Tua. But he doesn't take a lot of deep shots. We've seen it in uh, Alabama where he was very comfortable taking deep shots. Uh, and I think a lot of that had to be with he was very comfortable with his receiving core at Alabama, but he doesn't take a lot of deep shots. His, uh, let me see what his uh, average attempts are real quick. Let me see if I can get up here real quick. All right, so his yeah his average attempt or average uh, yards per completion was four point three. So he just I think he needs to learn to trust his receivers more. And with rookie quarterbacks. Especially if you're like a perfectionist, you're not going to trust those receivers as much because you don't want to throw an interception. You don't want to put your team in a bad position. So you're going to take the short underneath stuff uh, instead of taking the deep shot. But I think Tua needs to learn to take a couple deep shots. He needs to learn to take chances in games. And that's what an NFL quarterback is is about, is taking those chances uh, when they are available, when you get those 50-50 balls and just allowing your receivers to go up and make those catches. And the Dolphins do have those type of receivers. They got Mike Kosicki, who's been balling out uh, over the past month. You have Devontae Parker, who can go up and get it. Preston Williams can go up and get it. So they got receivers that can do that. He just needs to learn to trust his receivers a little bit more. And I think that that's going to come with time. That's going to come with him getting more chemistry in full offseason uh, to get with his uh, receivers and to develop that chemistry as well. Because remember... Short off season, short off season this year with Tua, and uh, and he wasn't the starting quarterback until midway through the year. He's only started nine games this year, so it's just a I think a thing where a chemistry issue. He doesn't trust his receivers, and that could come next year once we start seeing him next year play. He may we I think we're gonna start seeing him trust his receivers a lot more. But uh, another thing for Miami, they got the ground game running uh, going once again. Uh, Miles Gaskins being back really helped them out a lot. He had 14 carries, 87 yards, and a 6.2 average. And as a team, they averaged 5.2 yards a carry. So if Miami's able to able to make the playoffs this year, I think that run game is going to be very important to their success and how far they actually do go. 
uh, in the postseason because their run game is one of the worst in the league. And the last two weeks, they've been able to get it going, and they pull out some very tough wins against some borderline playoff teams in New England and uh, in Las Vegas as well, which both teams were fighting for a playoff spot until last week. So uh, just getting those, getting the running game going for Miami is very key, especially against Buffalo, who their defense has been playing a lot better uh, recently, but... They're still not the best run uh, team against the run, so if Miami's able to get that going, they may be uh, may be able to pull off an upset against Buffalo. But uh, for uh, Las Vegas, I think this was their this was their best game since that Kansas City game. Uh, since they because uh, after the Kansas City game, they had their they had that rough patch where they lost uh, what was it like uh, four to five games or something like that. So. They uh, this was their best game uh, without that. They probably should have won uh, this game, but uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick happened uh, or Ryan Fitzmagic happened, and it just it's hard to stop. Like Ryan Fitz, when Ryan Fitzpatrick turns into Ryan Fitzmagic, it's it's not it's it's hard to beat him. It's it's really just hard to beat him. But for the Raiders, uh, I think the. I think a thing for them is just to get the defense uh, situated because their offense is good. Their offense is a really good offense. It's an above-average offense, and it still has room to improve, especially with their what the receiving core is and how young the receiving core is. We have Brian Edwards, uh, Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar, if he can stay consistent, and obviously you got Darren Waller, who probably had who uh, has had probably the best stretch of uh, football I think a tight end has ever had. Over the last four games, he has 34 catches, three touchdowns, and 537 yards receiving. All right, Th- this team has weapons on the offensive end. They got a great offensive line that was kind of banged up throughout the year, uh, but if the offensive line can stay healthy. They're going to be really good. The question is getting that defense situated, getting a legit pass rusher in the draft, or picking one up via trade or. Uh, in free agency, but they need to get that defense very situated. But the Raiders, I think, are going to be a borderline football, uh, borderline playoff team next year. The question is, how well is their defense going to improve? But what a great win by Miami here! And just that—that that was a—that was crazy, a crazy final five minutes where you had the uh, you had Ryan uh, Fitzpatrick go down and he. Gets him in field range, ties the game up. Then you had Nelson Aguilar had the home run ball where he caught an eight, uh, what was it, a seventy-five yard touchdown plat or pass on the uh, what was on the very uh, very next uh, play that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick came in, and then you had the amazing effort play by Miles Gaskins to go and score the touchdown, and then it looked like Miami was done for. Uh, when uh, they jumped off sides and uh, Raiders were able to get a field goal with uh, 19 seconds left, and then Ryan Fitzmagic happened, and that was really the game there. But yeah, it's, it's gonna be interesting because I've always, as a football fan, I've always wanted to see two quarterbacks really in playoff games. Uh, as a Bears fan, I've always had a soft spot for Josh McCown, and we got to see him in the playoffs last year, and he he played pretty well on a torn hamstring. But 
uh, that was that was kind of like a gift for me to watch him play because I've always been a uh, big fan of uh, Josh McCown. And then uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, seeing him in a playoff game would be pretty cool uh, for me. And I think it would be cool for a lot of fans of the NFL to see Ryan Fitzpatrick in a playoff game. But they're facing, they have a hard team next week against Buffalo. And it, if it looks like if they lose, they're going to be out of the playoffs because uh, – uh, Indianapolis does play Jacksonville, and if Miami loses, Indianapolis wins. Uh, Miami's out of the playoffs, so Miami has to. Uh, they really have to uh, win that game against Buffalo, and I think a very key part in that is getting the run game going, uh, like they've done the last two weeks. But a great win here by Miami keeps them in the playoffs at the moment. And I think a eye-opening loss here for the Raiders to see what they need to do this offseason. But we'll move on to the next game, Atlanta at Kansas City. And I think I think this is just it's, this game uh, really shows what Atlanta's season has been like this whole year. They can't hold on the fourth quarter leads. All right, that. Uh, they had chances to win this game. I think this was their best defensive performance of the season and what they were able to do. Um, and a lot of credit has to go to Grady Jarrett, probably the most underrated defensive tackle in the league, probably most underrated defensive lineman in general in the league. Uh, he's just an amazing player that doesn't get a lot of love because he's on a bad team. But uh, they were able to hold Pat Mahomes in his Kansas City offense to only 17 points throughout the game, all right? And their defense just balled out. But when the opportunities presented themselves to take the game uh, away from Kansas City, Atlanta didn't take those opportunities. They missed interception before the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, it was real, literally the play after, uh, I think, A.J. Terrell dropped the interception Uh uh, they want they scored their go ahead touchdown and plays like that just show how close the NFL is, where it's literally inches. You uh, one inch and it could really ruin the season. One inch and you you lose the game, you lose the Super Bowl, and it just shows you just what the what the NFL is all about. Just one play, uh, Kansas City probably loses this game. And then the ver- and Atlanta doesn't take that opportunity. Kansas City, the very next play, goes and wins the game. So it just shows you what the NFL is all about. Uh, literally, this game showed that. Uh, but uh, but going to uh, I think really uh, Atlanta's offense here. I think Matt Ryan had a solid performance, but this offensive line needs to get better because four sacks and 12 quarterback hits against a below-average pass rush is never – it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And Matt Ryan, gosh, man, like everybody I think craps on Matt Ryan. And uh, and it's, I don't think it's it's – it's not just that he gets crapped on so much. Uh, because he's been balling out these last couple of years, he uh, Julio Jones is inj- has been injured constantly the last couple of years, and the offensive line has been absolute garbage uh, the last couple of years as well. Pro- I think a bottom five offensive line in the league, uh, and he just doesn't 
have a lot of time to throw the football, and he has to make plays happen. And uh, I think he's. I think the last couple of years has shown that Matt Ryan is a little bit more mobile than I think what a lot of people thought he was a couple of years ago, because he's having to do a lot of stuff with his feet to be able to uh, get some of the uh, to get some of these passes off and. It's just, and it's just a hard thing to do, especially with their offensive line that is this bad, and they let them, they let a below average pass rushing team uh, allow four sacks and allow the quarterback to get hit over ten times. It's not that's just awful, awful offensive line play. It's terrible, uh, and I think that's where we're seeing some of the Atlanta's faults: their defense being injured constantly, and their offensive line just being terrible uh, as well. But for Kansas City. Uh, there was a lot of concerning things in this game, especially coming from Pat Mahomes. Uh, and I think Atlanta did a good job in this game as well. Uh, and I think it shows that you don't really have to run man-to-man against Kansas City. Just take away their deep plays. All right? And they struggle throughout the game. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to go with Pat Mahomes and his ability to win a home run, a home run play every play. Uh, really hurts this offense because that's what he does. He looks deep and uh, too way too much, and he doesn't he doesn't want to go to his safety nets at all. And if he does, it's a way too late, and they don't really pick up a lot of yardage off of it. And a lot of that has to go with Pat Mahomes. That's a lot of that's on him. And the thing is, he's never really struggled with that before. He's never really struggled with looking uh, with going through his reads. And making the right read. He's never really struggled with that. I think this year. Either it's a mentality thing. Where I think he. uh, Maybe starting to. I think. Get uh, maybe a little bit full of himself. Where. I think he, he, he thinks he can do anything. At this moment in his career. And it's it's not. Working out. I think the way he wants it to. We've seen last year where he's trying to do no look passes. And missing wide open receivers in the end zone. I think when Pat Mahomes is the best, is I think when he gets knocked down uh, throughout the year, and I think when he starts to realize like I need to actually play football. I can't. Uh, I can't just half uh, basically half play it. I don't want to cuss on the. I don't want to cuss on here, but I just not half uh, half uh, but it throughout the season. I think he needs to start playing real football. He needs to go through his reads, and he needs to play real football because we've seen way too much in this game, I think alone, where he stared down Travis Kelsey and try, just try to fit it into him. And he's, He did that a lot throughout this game. One of his interception came uh, when he stared down Travis Kelsey in the end zone. And there's a couple other times where he got caught staring at receivers. One of those was... Uh, the uh, dropped interception by AJ Terrell, where I think it was designed where he was supposed to look to the left and then come back to the right and throw it, and instead he looked to the left and kind of waited a little bit and then threw it and then almost got intercepted uh, right before that two-minute warning, and then they ended up scoring on the next play on the literally the same play except he just threw it to the left this time. He actually went through his reads, but. Uh, Pat Mahomes, I think one thing, he just needs to, I think, come back down to earth a little bit because once he starts 
doing this type of stuff where I think he gets a little bit full of himself. He gets, a, I guess, a little bit arrogant in a sense. He he starts not playing the best uh, football he uh, he can, and I think I think these last couple of games I think hopefully knocks him back down because when Pat Mahomes is playing uh, football and he's level headed, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I think once he gets a little bit too arrogant, he gets a little bit I, I think too full of himself. You start seeing some of his faults a little bit, and a lot of that is just I think him just being a young a young uh, person. And just being uh, only in his third year in the NFL, or was it his fourth year in the NFL? And him just, I think, having to mature a little bit as a person and just becoming a, I think, a better player as well. Because we've seen we've seen him at his elite level, and right now the past couple of games, he has not played at the elite level that we uh that we have seen him to, uh seen him to play. And I think another thing is Andy Reid, we've seen his wide receivers be so open a lot of the time. Uh and I think Pat Mahomes, once those receivers aren't open down the field, I think that's another thing where he does struggle a little bit is uh I think he gets too comfortable uh having his receivers basically hand picked uh open for him down the field and he doesn't uh, and he doesn't really have to go through his reads as much because everybody's just wide open from the schemes. But I think I think he uh, just needs to get back down to earth just a little bit and start playing good football, start playing uh, like he usually does, like he was at the first of the year uh, and at the elite level. And we'll start seeing uh, Pat Mahomes get back to his uh, normal ways. But... Uh, Kansas City did scrape by with a win here. Their defense has played phenomenal, uh, especially the last two weeks against New Orleans and then this week against Atlanta, two really good offenses. Uh, and I, th- I think Kansas City's defense is playing the best football they've uh, they played over the last two years, these last two weeks. And if they can keep that up and allow Pat Mahomes to I guess, get back into a rhythm, this could... Uh, this Kansas City defense could uh, be very, uh, very, very good. Obviously, they're Super Bowl favorites, but they could even be more Super Bowl favorites. And I think have a breeze through the playoffs uh, if they uh, if their defense is playing like this throughout throughout the season. And I think if Pat Mahomes comes back down to earth just a little bit and uh, is able to play football like we know. Like we know he's capable of playing, but uh, that just kind of—I think I kind of wraps up that game a little bit. We'll move on to uh, Indianapolis at Pittsburgh, and this game was a tell of two halves. I, I think it was—I think it's pretty clear this game was a tell of two halves. Uh, Indian uh, Indianapolis looked dominant on both sides of the football uh, in the first half. Uh, Pittsburgh's only points came off a great defensive play by T.J. Watt that put the ball on the three-yard line for Pittsburgh. They only had a three-yard drive for a uh, touchdown and took them three plays to get into the end zone. So that just showed you where Pittsburgh's offense was, that they were hand-gifted the ball inside the five-yard line, and it took them three plays to score a touchdown on it. So I think that just shows... I think that really encapsulates... Uh, what uh, Pittsburgh's offense has been 
really uh, the, uh, the last three games in the first half of this game. And I think a lot of credit does go, has to go to Indianapolis defense. They played extremely good, or really good. Uh, in the first half, they only allowed 98 yards, which is amazing. Uh, just in like just against any team, only allowing allowing under a hundred yards and a half is absolutely incredible. But in the second half, uh, we started to see uh, really Pittsburgh coming to their own and change their game plan. They finally did it. They finally changed their game plan up in this game, and you started to see in that second half. Pittsburgh started to take deep shots, and these are the ones that they connected on. They had three over 20 yards. Uh, I think two of those went for touchdowns, and they had two uh, DPIs that went over 20 yards as well. So those are the ones that really connected and that really uh, moved the change. But that doesn't, but that doesn't uh, really account for the ones, uh, the shots they took that they didn't connect. Just taking those deep shots throughout a game really opens up everything else in the uh, everything else on the offense. It opens up the run game and it opens up the short uh, the short quick pass. Almost cuts there the short quick passing game that they love to do so much. Uh, because the defense has to respect the deep ball when you're throwing so many of these uh, short quick passes uh, and. Run and uh, it really condenses the field down uh, because the defense can just play you up and it takes away the run game because the defense is already playing up on your short, quick passing game. Uh, and it really just uh, messes with the run game a lot because the defense is just uh, playing five, maybe 10 yards uh, down the field. They don't really have to play 20 yards down the field. But when you're taking deep shots, they have to cover the whole field. And I think that's one thing Pittsburgh's offense really needed the last three games. And uh, they didn't do, but they finally, I think, figured it out. Let's, let's take some deep shots uh, and see what happens because I don't think they had anything to lose in this game because they have already made the playoffs. I think everybody sees what's wrong with this team, and I think they were just like, let's just try it out, see what happens in the second half, and it really uh, it really showed, uh, I think, how good Pittsburgh can be uh, when they're having a offense that's able to put the uh, take deep shots and really open up their offense a little bit, and I don't think they can beat Kansas City. Uh, I only think one team. I'll get to that later. But I don't think one team can really beat Kansas City at the moment. But Pittsburgh, I think, can make it to an AFC Championship. Maybe upset a couple of teams if their offense is playing like this. And then we got to go to their defense here. Uh, the way their defense played in that second half uh the first drive they let up a field goal uh it was like a 65 yard drive they let up a field goal but in between that uh first drive and that two minute drill drive that indianapolis had uh, i think there was about four drives in between there uh pittsburgh only allowed 45 yards and i think two of those were three and outs so pittsburgh's defense still playing at a not an elite level but a really good level Maybe uh, borderline top 10 at the moment, especially with all their injuries. But they're still playing at a really good level. And they're making plays to put their team in positions to win these games. Like the fumble. If uh, TJ Watt doesn't get that strip sack on Phillip Rivers, 
you can probably not count that touchdown at all because of the way Pittsburgh's offense was playing in that first half. And it took him, obviously, it took him three uh, tries from the three-yard line to get the ball into the end zone. So they probably don't score uh, on that drive if it's not for that fumble. And it just shows you this defense has really been carrying the team throughout the year. And this offense really, I think, needs to start opening up the offense a little bit, opening up the playbook, start taking these deep shots because we've seen in that second half when they're taking deep shots, this offense is a really good offense. But for some reason, they just don't want to do it. But but next week, they're facing uh, Cleveland, who's had secondary issues. And I think we're going to see if Pittsburgh continues this type of offense or if they go back to their old ways. And if they go back to their old ways, I think it's going to uh, absolutely kill them in this uh, next week against uh, Cleveland. But I think this was a great win by Pittsburgh. And for Indianapolis, this is a bad loss because they should have won this game. But I think one thing is uh, Indianapolis still has a great shot at making it to the playoffs. All right, they need Cleveland to lose. They need Miami to lose, and all they had to do was beat Jacksonville. That's the only thing the Colts have to worry about: beat Jacksonville at home in Indianapolis. That's pretty simple. All right, Cleveland and uh, Cleveland faces Pittsburgh obviously next week, and uh, Miami faces Buffalo. So. Those two teams that they need to lose, Cleveland and Miami, they're favored to lose those games next week, which is probably a high possibility. So the Colts are still in a great position to make the playoffs. And then if you add uh, Tennessee in, the way they played uh, Houston the first game where they got down by 21 early in the game, if that happens again with Tennessee, uh, Indianapolis is getting a home playoff game next week if Tennessee loses to Houston. So... Indianapolis still has a great shot making it to the playoffs. This is a bad loss. Like this could affect their seeding and who they play in the playoffs and maybe in that wild card spot. But this game really, I think, really affects like maybe how far they go in the playoffs. Obviously, if they make the playoffs, so uh, it's just a bad loss by Indianapolis, and I think it could have ruined. I think it ruined maybe a possible AFC Championship spot for them. Uh, obviously, if they're able to get a couple upsets in there, but just a bad loss by Indianapolis, a great win, and maybe a momentum swing win for uh, Pittsburgh late in the year. All right, so we'll move on to the Rams at Seattle. And the Rams' defense did everything they could in this game. They sacked Russell Wilson five times, then held Seattle to under 100 yards rushing, and they only held Seattle to one touchdown through majority of this game and that second touchdown didn't really come until what was it, like four or five minutes left in the game uh and it's just you can't ask for anything more from this defense from this Rams defense it is statistically the best defense in the league and it sucks because Jared Goff has been absolute garbage uh for the Rams and he is a problem for the Rams all right, his play has absolutely killed them uh, this year, and it may cost them a playoff spot, depending on whether Chicago uh, beats Green Bay or not. But they are like Jared Goff has been absolutely awful this year. The interception, I, I want to say, is, was his first or 
uh, I think it was his uh, first interception. Yeah, that was a terrible throw. That was absolutely awful. Like there was nobody around the vicinity of where he threw the ball that was on his team, and it ends up getting intercepted. And it's just awful play, man. It's so, uh, it's just so frustrating to watch Jared Goff play because the running attack for the Rams has always been really good. No matter what type of defense they do play, it's always playing really solid. Like this week, they played a top five run defense in Seattle. They got uh, 109 yards on 4.1 yards a carry. All right, and then you have Jared Goff, like on a second. Uh, what, what was the? I want to see what the down was when he threw the interception. Uh, on a first and ten, you have him throw one of the worst passes I think I've seen all year, and he gets intercepted. All right, and it's just like he just kills the drive for the team, and he kills these momentum type of drives that can really propel them to wins in some of these games. And he just plays like that and absolutely kills the momentum of the team. And it really bites them in the butt. Uh, and really bit them in the butt last season when they didn't make the playoffs. And it really bit them in the butt this, uh, this season where they're borderline uh, very close to being eliminated uh, from playoff contention if the Bears win. Because if somehow the, Bull, uh, if somehow the Bears pull out a win against Green Bay, I'm not counting on it. But if they pull out a win against Green Bay, uh, the Rams, if they lose to Arizona next week, the Rams are out of the playoffs. All right, And a lot of that's on Jared Goff. And I don't see them really making it far in the playoffs anyways uh, with the way Jared Goff has been playing. And it's just not a, it's just not a good combination. They, I think the Rams need a new quarterback. Maybe, uh, I think what's his name, Wolford. Uh... I want to say he was the, uh, anybody remembers the uh, AAF uh, uh, a couple years ago that was, uh, I think, uh, the little, like, uh, I guess, like, the G League for the NFL uh, that got canceled after one season or, like, halfway through the year because it it didn't get, it just didn't get a lot of views and uh, viewership and money, but... Uh, he was the touchdown leader in that league, and he had a pretty solid, uh, I think he went to Wake Forest, he had a pretty solid career at Wake Forest, so it, literally the Rams playoff hopes might rely on on him in his first ever career start, and if he plays well enough, uh, I think there's possibility, if he plays good enough, we could see him uh, in the playoffs as their starting quarterback, especially if Jared Goff isn't healthy, isn't healthy enough to play. Uh, and if somehow the Rams make a run, Jared Goff's career, as maybe as the Rams starting quarterback, could be done for. But we'll go over to Seattle. Uh, their defense just keeps getting better and better, and I know they haven't faced the best offenses over the past five games. Uh, they've played Philadelphia uh, with Carson Wentz and We've seen what Carson Wentz and Philadelphia's offenses look like this year. It's been absolutely awful. And they face the Giants, the Jets, Washington, and then they face the Rams with Jared Goff. So their their defense hasn't really played the best competition on the offensive side. Actually, actually, statistically, I think four of the bottom ten offenses they played uh, in those last five games. And then they played really good 
But I think it was more on Jared Goff this game. So their defense, I think, really needs to step up in the postseason still. But it does, but it does help though. Once you start seeing your team not really let up a lot of scores, where your team is uh, holding teams under twenty points uh, constantly, uh, it builds a lot of momentum in that team. It gets the chemistry of the defense going, and the momentum on that defense is going to be uh, really, uh, really good going into the playoffs. And maybe they have a better game in the playoffs against a better offense. But one thing that uh, going to Seattle's offense here, I think one thing that's going to kill them if they do make the playoffs is their pass rush. Or their pass blocking against a dominant pass rush. A lot of teams in these playoffs have a dominant pass rush. You look at uh, Chicago in the playoff hunt right now, dominant pass rush. Arizona, a top 10 pass rush. Uh, Tampa Bay top 10, you have New Orleans who's a top 10, Green Bay's a top 10 pass rushing team, uh, Rams and Washington are both top 10 pass rushing teams. So every single team in the playoffs has a great pass rush this year and that can really spell doom for Seattle, especially because Russell Wilson has been hit constantly this uh, this year and he has really bailed them out on a lot of games this year with his ability to scramble and get out of the pocket and just throw it up uh, into just these perfect uh, ball placements to where like, it's only really Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf could really catch the ball. And it's uh, and he's just really been the catalyst to these wins uh, throughout the year for Seattle. And I think Russell Wilson, I think... Through that rough stretch through the middle part of the year, uh, I think a lot of it was him doing way too much. Uh, but the one thing that they, they is promising for Seattle is them being balanced no matter what these past couple of weeks. Like, their run game wasn't really getting going in this one. Uh, they only had four yards of carry, but they still had a balanced offense. They still was a it was a 32 passes to 20, 24 runs, which is a pretty balanced offense. And the Seattle team is a lot better when it is balanced and taking the pressure off of Russell Wilson, even when the ground game isn't getting going uh, like they want it to. And that's very promising because they're sticking to their guns about, about this balanced offense, and it's, it's proven to be a real help to this team and being, being able to get them over the hump and gain them uh, these wins and these close matchups here. Over the past couple of weeks, but uh, but all in all, great win by Seattle. I think it clinches uh, their. I think it clinched them a uh, home playoff game this year. Yeah, yeah, it did. It clinched them a home playoff game this year. And for the Rams, bad loss here. A lot of it is on Jared Goff, and. We'll see what happens next week against Arizona, and we'll see what happens in the Green Bay and Chicago game. But the Rams are not looking like in a they're not looking in a good spot right now, uh, especially at this stage uh, in the season. They're not looking too good at all. So uh, I'm going to take a I guess I'm going to take a break real quick, and uh, so like the hour time limit doesn't run out on me, and then I'll come back. I'll do the Green Bay game, and then I'll do the uh, Buffalo game, and then that uh, will wrap it up. So I'm going to take a break real quick, and then I'm going to come back. 
and I'm back, and we'll get to the Tennessee at Green Bay game, the, was it the second snow game of the year, and hopefully there's a lot more snow uh, this year, I love snow games, but a lot, I think a lot of Tennessee's failures in this game came from getting down early, they're not a team, uh, when they get down in games, they're not a team that's built for coming back uh, in those games, because the team is built for running the football, they're not built for passing. And when they get down in games early, uh, they go into like a panic mode, Tennessee does, and they decide to pass the ball way too much, and they get away from their un- from their balanced offense. And I think that ha- that happened in this game, and when you're facing a team like Green Bay, who has Aaron Rodgers, and the way Tennessee's defense is, where they don't get a pass rush, you can bet Aaron Rodgers is probably going to score in almost every drive. All right, so them not uh, not really not giving Derrick Henry thirty carries in this game, uh, I think really cost them, especially in a snow game. All right, and he was playing really good. Like he averaged. Uh, let me see if I can. Uh, let me see if I can get up here real quick. So he averaged four point three yards a carry. All right, and then you seen Ryan Tannehill when they were doing the read option, he was balling out. He had the forty five yard run. And I think their offense is really good when it's able to get some of those zone runs going, get, get the read option going. But instead, they decide to pass it way too much. Like Honestly, I would have liked for really Tennessee not to throw it over 20 times in this game and just really make this a run, uh, old-school style of game for Tennessee because they gave the ball way too much to uh, Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers just completely torched them in this game, and they got down very quickly in the game because of it, and it just wasn't a, it's just not a good game here for Tennessee, and it really shows, I think, where the weakness is, you have to get up early on them, and really take Derrick Henry out of the game, or allow them to take Derrick Henry out of the game themselves, which they kind of did in this game. Uh, through the first part of the game, but I think their biggest Tennessee's biggest problem this year is the lack of pass rush. They're the last, uh, they're the they're the worst pass rushing team in the league, and it really showed in this game. Only one sack and two quarterback hits on Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers was just able to sit back and really pick apart their defense throughout the game, uh, and this absolutely killed. In Tennessee in this game, and it's going to kill them in the postseason too. Because uh, yeah, Philip Rivers uh, plays amazing when he's not pressured a lot. Uh, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger, who's not really, it was when not pressured a lot, he plays really good. And Pittsburgh beat them earlier in the year because of that. Uh, you look at Josh Allen, the way their offense has been playing, not getting pressure on him would spell doom for uh, Tennessee, Kansas City as well. And then obviously you got Baltimore, who tends to struggle against Tennessee, but uh, they like Tennessee needs to get a pass rush somehow, whether it's blitzing, uh, safeties, or something, because Seattle early in the year was able to fix their pass rushing problems, and a lot of that came from blitzing uh, Jamal Adams a lot, having him as a uh, kind of like a fifth or sixth pass rusher. Uh, in the in there for Tennessee, but Tennessee has to change up their defense to get some pressure on the quarterback because it's killing them throughout these games. 
and Aaron Rodgers has absolutely destroyed him in this game because of that reason. Uh, and then, for, and then obviously for Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers I've said it multiple times already. Absolutely dominated this game, and it and it showed throughout the game. And another big thing is their running attack. All right, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones had 31 carries in between them. And uh, let me see here. They had two. Let me see, I'm trying to figure out how I'm trying to add this up here. So they had 200 and. What is that? I think 218 yards in between them and two touchdowns throughout the game. So a real, a really bad showing here for Tennessee's defense. Like uh, they allowed, uh, uh, was it 400 and they allowed uh, over 400 yards, over 450 yards in this game, uh, and. It's just like their defense is absolutely awful when they don't get turnovers in the game. Because uh, the one thing that was carrying Tennessee's defense throughout the early stages of the season was them creating turnovers, and that's one that was one of the saving graces of their defense. But lately, their defense hasn't been able to get turnovers, and it's getting picked apart pretty easily by these elite quarterbacks and these elite offenses in the league, and. It's just not. It just. Uh, it's just. I don't know what Tennessee is doing, but they need to fix it, and they need to stop taking Derrick Henry out of the game themselves. Like Derrick Henry only had 23 carries in this game. He should have had well over 30 carries in this game, but especially in the snow game like that, where you're kind of seeing your receivers slip a lot throughout the game, uh, you're not really used to that type of weather, and. The one thing you can rely on in those bad weather games is the ground game, and they were having success in the ground game, but in, but for some reason they decided to give up on it pretty early in the game, uh, and then when they tried to come back to it, it was almost too late in the game for them to do so. But great win here by Green Bay, a bad loss by Tennessee here, and it puts them in danger too because. Uh, if they lose and everybody else, like those wild card teams like Baltimore, Miami, uh, Cleveland win, and Tennessee loses next week to Houston, uh, and then the Colts beat Jacksonville, Tennessee's out of the playoffs. So Tennessee hasn't clinched up a playoff spot yet. And if they lose, it could be a very bad week for them if they if, if tennis if uh, the Texans are able to catch them uh, sleeping on them. It could be a very bad week for uh, for Tennessee next week, and for Tennessee fans. But uh, we'll, go, we'll move on to the last game Monday night: Buffalo at New England. And New England's offense is just it's just all around bad, and there uh, and it's a lot of that has to do I think with Cam Newton. Uh, and I know he doesn't have weapons uh, on the offense, but. Uh, Tom Brady didn't either last year, and I think Tom Brady had a little bit less, uh, less of weapons. I uh, didn't have Nikhil Harry throughout the year. I uh, only really had Julian Edelman uh, as well, and Tom Brady performed a lot better than what Cam Newton did this year. And a lot of Cam Newton's, uh, I think, uh, decline of, uh, his decline of play has come from his shoulder not being 100% and him not letting his shoulder fully recover. Uh, I forgot if he had surgery or not, but 
he he never lets uh, he never let his shoulder fully recover, and you you see him be very in, very inconsistent with his throwing uh, throughout the course of a game, and it's just a it's just not a good uh, situation for New England, especially with the quarterback position. Uh, if they decide to keep Cam, which I don't think they will, but also Josh McDaniels, I don't think is the answer for Bill Belichick. Uh, he's great at calling up these trick plays, uh, which I think he's probably maybe the best in the league. But he, uh, but throughout the course of a game, I just think like he's not consistent. Uh, he doesn't have a consistent identity of what he wants to do on the offensive end, and. I think a lot of his success came from Tom Brady bailing him out, uh, making changes at the line of scrimmage, making audibles, and uh, getting the ball out quickly uh, to Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, uh, Danny Amendola, to those type of receivers uh, that are very quick, very uh, route-running oriented, that able to get separation quickly uh, and pick up five to six yards on almost any play. But... I think a lot of Josh McDaniel's success came from Tom Brady, and uh, I just don't see really Josh McDaniel's being a successful head coach. Uh, I could be wrong. I was wrong about Mike Vrabel. Uh, I think Mike Vrabel's been a pretty uh, pretty good head coach. I wouldn't say great. I think he's been pretty good. Uh, but Josh McDaniel's, I think we've seen some of his faults in Denver when he was the head coach there, and then in New England. I think we're seeing some of his faults again. He just doesn't have identity of what he wants to do on offense, and in his identity throughout the course of his mainly throughout the course of his career has been uh, whatever Tom Brady wants to do. All right, and then now Tom Brady's gone. I think he's struggling on what he wants to do with his offense, and it showed a lot through this year as well. Uh, New England does has a couple bright spots though going into the off season. Uh, the offensive line in the run in the run department has been really good, and there's a lot of young players on the offensive line that they can develop and become, I think, better pass blockers uh, if they're if they're able to develop them a lot uh, a lot better uh, next off season. Because I think that's one thing New England struggled with was pass pro with their offensive line, and if they're able to fix that a little bit, uh, develop their offensive line, their young offensive line a little bit better. Uh, I don't think that's going to be as much of an issue next year. And obviously the run game for New England was absolutely amazing this year. Uh, and a lot of it I don't think had to do with Cam Newton as as much. I think it really just had to do with the offensive line and the running backs just being able to read holes and read defenses and be able to pick up some solid yardage with uh, Rex Burkhead, Damian Harris, Sony Michelle. And then J.J. Taylor had a really good game in this one as well. Uh, the rookie out of, I, I want to say, I forgot, I think, I want to say Arizona. Uh, I think he's where he's uh, from. He had a really solid game in this one. Let me double check where he's from real quick. Yeah, Arizona. Uh, so, just a, they, they got a lot of positives on offense. I think the one thing you got to fix up is allow Josh McDaniels to find an identity of this offense and, New England needs to get a healthier quarterback, whether that's going out and maybe getting Matthew Stafford or getting Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Jacoby Brissett back, uh, maybe even Carson Wentz. Uh, just going out and getting a healthier quarterback, a quarterback 
that can that really fits into this offense and is able to have a lot of success in this offense. And then for Buffalo, uh, this game, I think this, this really uh, propelled Josh Allen into superstardom in this game, the way he was able to torch this, this really good secondary of uh, New England. And his confidence is growing. The last three primetime games for Josh Allen, uh, San Francisco, uh, what was it, four weeks ago? Uh, he had 375 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, three weeks ago against Pitt, he had uh, 238 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, not not the best performance, but a solid performance, especially what you look at uh, when he played Kansas City, when he played uh, uh, Tennessee, really bad defenses early in the year, and he performed even worse than what he did against Pittsburgh. So you kind of see him just improve throughout the uh, throughout the course of the season and this week against uh New England 312 uh 20 yards and four touchdowns. So he's really been playing at an elite level and this year and he may be able to win the MVP. Now he's not going to win it this year. I think it's going to Aaron Rodgers this year. But he's going to I think be in that conversation next year and Possibility uh, for definitely ten to twelve years down the road. He just he's just grown a lot, and I this is the most growth I've seen from a quarterback, uh, probably through the course of my life, uh, and I th- I think that says a lot too because he went from being probably almost bust potential in his first season to being a maybe just a game manager quarterback with an amazing arm uh, or a Jay Cutler-esque. And then you see him this year just improve to being a top five, maybe a top ten quarterback this uh, Not my bad. I've said that mixed up. A top ten quarterback, maybe a top five quarterback this year. And definitely he's in the MVP conversation. Uh, he probably end up finishing third behind Mahomes and Rodgers. But he just he's just been playing amazing. And then you go into the defense for Buffalo. They're playing like the top ten defense that they were the last couple of seasons. Uh they're the last couple of weeks they've just been playing phenomenal uh defense and it's gonna make this Buffalo team very dangerous. I think Buffalo uh I think they said this on Monday night on um, Monday night uh broadcast and I would agree with them. Buffalo it's probably the most dangerous team to Kansas City at the moment. And that has to do with their defense playing at the top 10 level that they were a couple years ago and getting back to that form. And then Josh Allen playing like a top five quarterback over the last uh, couple of weeks. And then definitely in primetime games, he's been showing out as well too. Uh, this this Buffalo team is going to be dangerous in the playoffs. And they're going to be a fun team to watch as well. But a great win by Buffalo. And it really shows this team has really grown, especially in the spotlight in these primetime games. This uh, Buffalo team has grown a lot. And they're going to be a very dangerous playoff team. And then for New England, uh, New England, I think just get, they, they just need a new quarterback that fits their scheme and that is able to uh, be healthy throughout the season. And I think that's what New England needs. But great win here by Buffalo and 
they're going to be a very fun team to watch in the playoffs. So that wraps up uh, my week uh, my week sixteen recap. And thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to like it, share it, uh, and make sure to rate it five stars uh, wherever you, uh, if you're listening on the uh, podcast app. So uh, and also make sure to criticism uh, if you have any criticism. Make sure to let me know. I'm always open to criticism, and I'm open. I'm always open uh, to hearing what y'all have to say to make it more enjoyable for y'all to listen to and make me a uh, better uh, speaker and getting my points across a little bit better as well. So just thank y'all all all for listening and uh, have a fun uh, rest of the season. I'll be back for uh, week uh, 17. I I don't know why I said that. It sounds like I'm not (laughs) coming back for the rest of the season. I will be back for the week 17 predictions uh have a fun bowl season that's what i meant to say have a fun bowl season uh we have tonight the when i'm recording we have oklahoma and florida we have the playoffs coming up so just have fun watching those games watching some of those nfl prospects ball out uh if they decide to play and i will try to get the week 17 uh, projections up either saturday morning or hopefully by friday afternoon so just uh make sure I uh, stay tuned for those as well. You uh, you listen to those as well. But thank you all, all for listening, and have a good uh, I guess rest of the week. So uh, talk to y'all hopefully Friday or Saturday morning. Bye.